You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. underestimate the grace of our God. Never underestimate the grace of our God. As we look back, what an amazing story of God's grace. We can glean so many things from it. While the book was indeed historical, explaining the ancestry of David, the book also builds a bridge between the time of the judges and the period when God gave a king to Israel. But it's so much more than that. Sometimes it can be easy to underestimate God. In our struggles, we don't stop to remind ourselves of who God says He is. We lean on our own understanding of what's possible and we color our view of God. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to read your Bible and find out just how powerful God can be. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth chapter 4 as he continues his message, God's Amazing Grace. Let's read these verses. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her bosom, and became a nurse to him. Naomi was blessed beyond belief, to have a grandson. Remember what had happened to her. Remember her husband had died. Both her sons had died. And with them, all hope of ever seeing grandchildren had vanished. All hope of ever having a young one run around the house again had vanished with the death of her husband and her two sons. This must be difficult for her. The woman shared in Naomi's joy, and they cried out, Blessed be the Lord. And I love that. Notice when the baby's born, blessed be the Lord. They're giving recognition that the Lord had conception here. The Lord was giving birth. The Lord was in charge of this birth. Blessed be the Lord. And then they look at Naomi and go, he hasn't left you. Who? The Lord has not left you without a close relative. And may his name be famous in all of Israel. And it's interesting here. The word close relative here, immediately you're thinking, well, Boaz. No, he's not talking about Boaz. Who are they talking about? The baby. They're talking about the baby. They, his name, be famous in all of Israel. And we know that his name becomes famous because it becomes in the lineage to the line of King David and eventually to Jesus Christ. To Naomi, the baby was a restorer of life. The baby was a nourisher for him, for her. His birth restored and nourished Naomi's life. She had come from that faraway land without a husband, without her children. She had come in destitute. She had come in mourning. She had come in hopelessness. Remember her name? Mara, bitter. 
She had come bitter because the Lord had been mighty, nasty to her. And she proclaimed that to the men and women. But his birth brought her way back from the place of despair and gave her hope again, gave her joy once more. It was a nourisher for her in her old age. Now, I say this as a grandparent. Our grandchildren are nourishers for us in our old age because what happens when they visit? We become young again. We get on the floor and crawl around like little kids. We allow them to jump on our backs. We treat them and spoil them. And the nicest thing about spoiling your grandchildren is when mom and dad come back, you go, here you go, bye-bye. My, uh, my pastor, Pastor Frank, said that uh, grandchildren were God's gift for not killing our own children. I never really realized what he meant by that. But, uh, but when they come to your house, you're young again, to the point where you might even watch SpongeBob. And you might like him. And you might find yourself watching SpongeBob when they're not there. And you go, wait a minute. But anyhow, I digress. Grandchildren are grand when they arrive, and they're grand when they leave. Grandchildren are great. So Naomi, Naomi has this. And you can bet her name is no longer Mara. You can bet her name is no longer bitter as she takes this little one. And she adopts him, and she becomes the foster mom to him. And she takes him in her own, and I'm sure she raised him with all joy and with all happiness, and her name once again became pleasant. The baby was certainly a blessing to Naomi. The baby was a blessing to Ruth and Boaz. The baby was a blessing to Naomi. And in verse 17, we see that the baby was a blessing to the entire town of Bethlehem. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. And he's the father of Jesse, the father of David. What a blessing this was to the town of Bethlehem. The woman named him. The woman of Bethlehem were so excited and so excited. And remember, are you getting what's happening here? They said, look what they said. There was a son born to who? Who was the son born to? No, the son was born to Ruth. But what does the scripture say? The son was born to who? Naomi, hence the kinsman redeemer thing. Remember, whose, whose legacy were they carrying on? Eliminex. And that was the whole purpose here. That was the whole purpose of the kinsman redeemer. That was the whole purpose of that law, that the family name would continue on. And it's really cool. The town people got around, and they named him Obed. And it's interesting that if you look up the word and the name Obed, you'll find that it means servant in Hebrew, but in Greek, it means worshiper. In the Greek, it means worshiper, and I love that. A servant worshiper, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And the baby's going to bring notoriety and fame to the family and the name of Elimelech. But Elimelech's name all but disappeared from Israel. It all but disappears. But the name Obed would bring fame and glory to the town of Bethlehem, not only through the life and ministry of King David, but being the birthplace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as well. I love it. This must have been quite comforting to Naomi. Can you imagine? After what she's been through, knowing that the family name now is not going to perish, it must have been comforting for her. And not only would it not perish, but it would increase in fame. This is such a beautiful demonstration of what God can do 
through one person, no matter what their background is, who gets right with him. A person who chooses God above all else and gets right with him, God can do wonders, God can do miracles, God can do incredible things in that person's life. We've seen it, you've seen it. Maybe even in your own life. God can do wonders and beautiful things. He's just looking for a heart. The eyes of the Lord look to and throw throughout the land for a heart that he can show himself strong. Remember Naomi, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has brought me home empty. The Lord has testified against me. That's what she said in chapter 1. If she would only had waited, if she would only had looked beyond her circumstances to see the Lord, if she would only have been patient and wait for the promises of God, and not only wait, but believe and trust in the promises of God, Don't be too harsh on Naomi. Don't be too harsh on Naomi because we certainly do the exact same thing. But we should also learn what she learned. We should learn that God's plan is perfect and filled with love. We should learn that God is always working in our lives and we can't figure him out. Can't figure out what God is doing. You may think you know what God is doing, but just when you think you know what God is doing, something else happens. You're like, wait, how did that happen? Why did that happen? God has a plan that is so far above what our thinking could be, but it is a perfect plan. A perfect plan. And as it unfolds in our lives, we're to thank Him and to praise Him in the midst of it. We should learn that He does work all things together for good for those that love Him and those that are called according to his purpose. God does do that in our lives. But our lives must be lived by faith. Our lives must be lived by faith. Not on what we see, and certainly not on the circumstances. Because the circumstances of what Naomi had gone through, what Naomi was going through, certainly left her, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. By faith, we know that God is working this together for good. I'm dealing with a problem with my son right now. We have no idea what's going on and why things are happening. He seems to have some masses that they're looking at in his body. They seem to be looking at them. Things look extremely bad. We don't know what's going to happen. But I'm trusting in this because if there's one thing my son needs more than anything else, is salvation through Jesus Christ. And I believe in all my heart that this is going to lead him to salvation. It's not going to be good. It's probably not going to be pretty. It's probably not going to end well. But I don't know what the Lord's plans are. I have no idea what the Lord's plans are. And all I can do is trust in him. All I can do is say, you're God, I'm not. I'm trusting in you. I'm leaning on you, not my own understanding. I'm leaning on you. I'm acknowledging you in all your ways, and you're going to direct my path. And you're going to do what you do best, which is govern this world. And guide me and lead me by your spirit. And I will be happy with that. And if something bad happens, then he'll give me the strength to get through it. If not, you find yourself curled up in a little ball, whimpering on the side of the road. Wondering what happened. We have to put our faith in Christ. We have to put our faith in God. 
who continues to love us in spite of our mess-ups, in spite of our failures. He continues to pour that grace out upon us. We should just be patient and receive his promises. Our lives, we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's what God has called us to do. And as we finish this chapter, and as we finish this book in verses 18 through 23, we see that the baby not only blessed Ruth and Boaz, she blessed Naomi, she blessed the town of Bethlehem, but the baby will also be a blessing to all of Israel and all of the world. Let's read these names again. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadad. Aminadad begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David, who would be king. God had great plans for little Obed, where he would grow up and have a son named Jesse. And Jesse would be fruitful, and he would multiply, and he would have eight sons. And when Samuel was told to go out and look for a king, that God was going to give the king, and Samuel was told to go out and look for a king, he came to Jesse's house. And then all these men and all these seven guys stood up, and they all came out, and they're all strapping. They're all strong, viral men. And Samson went down the line. The Lord said, nah, no way. Nah, nah, all the way down the line. And Samuel looked and said, is there not another? And Jesse said, ah, you know, there's the kid. Scrawny little runt. Always dirty. Cloud of dust follow him all around. You know, that crazy kid out back with the sheep. Get him. His name was David. And that was the one God chose. That was the one. Cannot mention King David without thinking about God's amazing grace. When you look at King David's life, it's the epitome of God's grace. David not only sinned horrendously in front of the Lord, many times he sinned and did the most horrible things that you could think of against the commandments of God. David also knew what to do with his sin. And he went before the Lord and said, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned this day. And he confessed his sin. And then when the consequences came, the baby that was conceived after his adulterous affair with Bathsheba died. His, wife, his sons and his daughters became wild people. They raped the daughter and there was killing in the household. And then one of his sons came against him. If it recognizes as consequences from the God and still gave him glory and praise. He was told to number the people, and he did. Then he was told not to number the people, but he numbered them anyhow. And God said, fine, you number the people, and they'll choose this day what kind of consequence you're going to have. And he gave him a list of consequences. David knew the consequences of God. David sinned royally. But there's a scripture to this day that I hang on to when God says he's a man after my own heart. A man after my own heart. Why? Because David believed in God. David trusted in God, and David knew that God was going to build him a house. Not a physical house, but a house that would last forever. 
a house that was going to last forever and ever. And David knew and believed that the Messiah would sit on his throne. David committed sin after sin, but he was still a great man of faith, and God used him to build Israel into a mighty nation and a mighty kingdom. He was the commander of the army, and he defeated enemy after enemy. He expanded the inheritance of the children of Israel. And maybe most of all, he was an incredible worshiper. And I love that fact about David. He was an incredible worshiper. Remember the name Obed in Greek was worshiper? David was an incredible worshiper. He worshiped God and wrote songs that the Levites would sing to God. We have them now. They're called Psalms. And we can look at and we can read them. I can't wait to hear the music that goes with them. David devised musical instruments. He spent his life gathering everything necessary to build the house of God, the temple. God even gave him the plans, but God wouldn't let him build the house. His son Solomon got to build it. One commentator said this, quote, whether David had in his hand a sling or a sword, a harp or a hymnal, David was a great servant of the Lord who brought tremendous blessings to Israel. God himself declared David a man after his own heart, unquote. The greatest privilege, the greatest blessing God gave to David was knowing that through him, the Messiah would come. Through him, the Messiah would come. And when you read the beautiful, beautiful book of Matthew, and Matthew's going through the genealogy, the genealogy of Christ, and he goes through these things. There are 18 generations before David. And then from David, there are eight, excuse me, 14. 14 generations before David from Abraham. Then there's 14 generations from David to when Israel was pulled out into the captivity. And from the captivity, there are another 14 generations until Jesus Christ. Divide the number 14 by two, and what do you get? Seven. God's perfect number. God's perfect number. David wanted to build a house for God, but God told him that he would build a house for him. David knew the Messiah was going to come from Judah, but nobody knew whose family would be chosen. God chose the family of David. God chose the family of David. One will sit on the throne of David forever. Wow. Ruth began her life as a Moabitess, one who was not allowed to even enter the congregation of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. But this small book, the story of the redemption, closes with a 10-generation genealogy that includes the name of David. Never, ever underestimate the grace of God. Never underestimate the grace of our God. As we look back on this amazing story of God's grace, we can glean so many things from it. While the book was indeed historical, Explaining the ancestry of David, the book also builds a bridge between the time of the judges and the period when God gave a king to Israel. But it's so much more than that. We saw many practical and applicable lessons that encouraged us in our spiritual walk. As we read through this book, we looked at it. We saw the provident hand of God that it displayed as he guided Ruth and Naomi. And this encourages us that God still cares about us, each and every one. And even though when we come bitter, 
Even when we become bitter towards God, he still cares for us. He still loves us. This should encourage us. As we see a new believer, as God guides her by his grace, he guided Ruth and he directed her steps and he used our faith and obedience to help transform that horrible defeat in Moab to a victory in Bethlehem. We should be comforted by the fact that God is indeed interested and concerned about every part of our own lives down to the minutest and tiniest detail. God is concerned about you. God cares for you. This is comforting to know that he is always watching out for us. He's like a shepherd looking out for the sheep. And this should give us great joy and courage to each of us as we seek him daily for the perfection of his will in our lives. The beautiful illustrates story of God's salvation. Whomsoever will may come. Not just the children of Israel. And we're talking Old Testament, folks. This shows you that God's plan all along was to allow the Gentiles to come in and know him. The story opens with an outsider, a stranger to the nation of Israel and to their God, Jehovah. But the story ends as Ruth is a member of the covenant community of Israel because of her marriage to Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. The story also shows us how our relationship with God can get deeper and deeper and deeper. In chapter 1, Ruth doesn't even know Boaz exists. But we read that she's trusting in this God. And in chapter 2, she's in Boaz's field. She's gleaning. She receives care, protection, and gifts. And from hope, her point of view, Boaz was just a very wealthy man. Just a very wealthy man who was kind. He was a generous guy. But everything turns in chapter 3 when Ruth submits herself to the Lord, offering herself at Boaz's feet. The results? Ruth is no longer just a poor servant who gleans the field. Now she, along with Boaz, owns the fields. As we grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with the Lord, we see these things happening in our own lives. As we draw closer and closer to him, he reveals more and more to us. And he shows us more and more great things. And as we submit... He does these mighty works, but too many of us are content to live in chapter 2. Too many of us just want to pick up the leftovers. We just want to pick the leftovers. You just want to go out to the field and glean. Remember, that was gleaning was. Remember? Gleaning was picking up the leftovers. After the reapers went through the fields, they always left some behind. And those that gleaned went and picked up the leftovers. Too many of us just want to pick up the leftovers. Oh, we're doing our best in difficult situations, but we're not fully trusting God. We're not fully trusted. We're not truly invested in this God. Oh, we say we trust him, but when that rubber meets the road, we're not. We're not fully trusting in him. We want all the gifts God has to offer, but we hesitate to go deeper. We hesitate to go deeper to allow God to move in our lives. We want the work of God. We want to live as Christians. We want boldness in our lives. We want to be witnesses for Him. But yet we ignore, quench the Holy Spirit. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all the time we have for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to or even share with your friends and family. You can explore more of this series in the book of Ruth or other books in the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We are gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. Instead, you can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. While you're there, don't forget to like our page so you can stay up to date with all the latest information about Calvary Chapel Cape May and Assure Hope. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. Know that we're praying for you each time you tune in. Would you join us in praying for your fellow listeners too? Pray that ears and hearts would be open to the truth and that lives would be changed. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Bye.